Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. God, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 24, <clears throat> wonderful privilege to be able to minister at the Prescott Conference, and such a powerful night last night. There uh, doors of destiny that people made the first step into last night. I believe that uh, we're going to see some things happen in the days to come and in the years to come should Jesus tear out of that sermon last night and choices that were made by pastors and disciples. Uh, it's uh, a thank God for our pastor. Amen. Thank God for the Word of God. We sing a chorus uh, in many of our churches, uh, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Uh, I want to see you. And um, then it uh, goes on, as we sing, uh, as we sing. And I often wonder if God's response to that is, if you want me to open the eyes of your heart, open your Bible. <laughs> that uh, just, just how Christian culture kind of permeates we're kind of expecting our experience and revelation of God comes while we're singing a chorus and God can do that but he reveals himself through the Word of God and he wants our uh, he wants to open our eyes and he wants to open our eyes to see him in the Bible and so let's look at uh, this familiar passage. You know, uh, these uh, men uh, have been followers of Jesus. Uh, I'm getting rained on up here, so I'm backing off just a little bit. Uh, no hair, you know, it makes it, uh, it comes right onto the... <laughs> and um, it's, uh, they've, they're discouraged because of the crucifixion of Jesus, and they're, they're walking away. They are walking away. And so let's look at, uh, we'll begin at verse 25. Jesus has come up to them. He says, Then when he said to them, O foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? While, we while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they arose, so they rose up that very hour and returned. The words of life from this passage, and let's think for a moment about 
the God of the book. Uh, there's, there's sometimes brief statements that are made that can alter the, your whole view of things. And Pastor Greg Mitchell was uh, talking to us about uh, working on sermons, and he said this, made this statement that, of course, I sh should have gotten, you know, maybe 30 years ago. But he says, the Bible's a book about God. And when you realize that that is the main message of the Bible, the main message of the Bible is God, and specifically in the person of Jesus Christ. And we, uh, we can get caught up, you know, we know that the Bible is our pattern for faith and practice. We need, uh, you know, what we should do and shouldn't do, right? What's wrong, what's right, all of that is, is, is valid, wonderful, but it's all to reveal who God is to us. God wants to make himself known to us, that's the point. And so what happens is in all of our preaching and all of our ministry, sometimes we get all the other stuff, but we miss God. That he somehow gets put to the side or uh, he's at the, you know, the last point of the last point and God will help you do all that stuff you should be doing. You know? And so every service they come and here's some more stuff you should be doing and here's some more stuff you quit, should quit doing. Well, that's, that's fine. That's great. We need to do that, but we need... Uh, folks to have an encounter with God through the Word of God. We have a compelling account of a time right after Jesus' resurrection, and he approaches these men, and they are in a bad way. They're discouraged Christians. They're discouraged Christians because they tried it, and it didn't work. You have people in your church that have tried something for God, and it didn't work. They've even tried living for God, and it's not working very well for them. And they're sitting in the seats, but they're walking away. I have men in my church that made effort to pioneer church. It didn't work. They're back sitting in their seats, but some of them, even though they're sitting there, inside they're walking away from ever doing that again. There are people in your church because marriage things and other things, they're, they're walking away inside. They're still there. They're still being faithful, but something is happening. He's, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We, we had hoped that this was, this was going to work, and we gave our lives to this. We gave our whole lives to this, and now all our hopes are dashed, and we're walking away now notice Jesus response notice what Jesus does to Christians in the crisis of walking away he says sing after me open the eyes of my heart no he doesn't he he sings he says that he said unto them oh fools now I'm not this is Jesus he can talk to folks like this you know you <laughs> anyway so uh, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Now notice this is powerful. This is Jesus Christ present, the resurrected Jesus Christ. 
And he could have just said, guys, it's me. Yeah. You know, but what does he do? He doesn't do that. He expounds to them the scriptures. He opens to them the word of God. He begins to help them process life. You know, this, is, this was part of it, guys. This wasn't some bizarre thing. This was part of the plan. If you had read your Bibles, if you had listened to me, if you had listened to some of my sermons and embraced them, you wouldn't be walking away right now. It is the Word of God that He brought to them to help them process life. And to process life in the light of who He is. This is all the scriptures concerning himself. Genesis all the way to Malachi. Every book, it's about Jesus. It's about helping people see God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now later, he's going to be with the 11. And you know, with the 11, he is going to show himself and eat honey and fish before them and show that it's really him he's raised from the dead but he doesn't stop there in verses 44 and 45 he says these are my words that i spoke to you while i was still with you that everything written about me in the law of moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled and then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures now we know that that chorus comes out of a prayer of the apostle paul in ephesians lord open the eyes of my heart but my contention is how does that happen if we want our eyes what does he open their eyes to what does he open their mind to to the word of god so they can understand who he is from the bible what he has revealed about himself they can process life because of knowing Jesus through the gospel, through his death and resurrection. That's the glory of Jesus. He died for us. Here is very God of very God, right? Infinite, eternal, immortal God, taking on human flesh, the perfect, holy, spotless Son of God, and then going to the cross and taking all our sin in his own body. He had every right to judge us for our sins. And yet he took the judgment on himself. He died for us and then rose gloriously from the dead as, as defeated sin, death, hell, the grave. That's the gospel. That's the glory of Jesus Christ, and he is helping them come to grips. This, this that has happened, this is not some obscure thing. This is not some defeat. This is the very essence of your faith. This is what's going to help you when life isn't working out for you. When you are disappointed, when you try things and they don't work, so that you don't walk away, look to the cross, look to the gospel. There's hope in every situation when you look at Jesus Christ in the gospel. See, God wants to be made known. He wants to be made known. He wants us to know him is what I'm saying. Jesus is the word made flesh, right? The logos. It's like God has revealed himself perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is revealed in the pages 
of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, the testimony of Jesus. See, our relationship with God is based on covenant. We have come into a covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for us on the cross. Our relationship with him is not based on our performance. It's not based on the fact that you made prayer meeting every day last week and so you are hitting on all two cylinders. Our relationship with God is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. But what does that covenant, in, what does it mean? What's involved? What's available? What am I, what's my part in that? And what's God's part in that? That's in here. This is the covenant. This is what God has promised us. This is who he is. See, Pastor Mitchell has said that worship is our response to God as he's revealed in the Bible. That's such a profound understanding. Worship is our response to God as he is revealed in the Bible. When we see him in this book, that's the God that we worship. It's not sentimentality. It's not, oh, just hold me, Lord. This is, here is God showing himself to us and helping us process the disappointments and the tragedies of life and avoiding some disappointments and tragedies in life. Paul writes, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of God changes us when we behold His glory. And what's the context? The context is the gospel, the new covenant, what Jesus has done for us in His death and resurrection. When you behold Jesus in the gospel, the Spirit of God changes you and me from glory to glory. We sing, change my heart, O Lord, fill me with your spirit. You know, that, and yes, that's the cry of our heart, but how does that happen? How is that going to take place? It's going to take place as we come to grips with Jesus as he's revealed in this book. Let's look secondly at God's word and his presence. You know, there are uh, throughout the world numbers of uh, very impressive cathedrals there's a cathedral in cologne that uh, took 632 years to build imagine a building project how many pastors would have lost their minds uh, getting through that building project and of course the whole thing is that the, the lofty uh, ceilings and buttresses and all of those things is to give a sense. When you walk into that place, you'll have a sense of the majesty and the glory and the wonder of God. Sometimes, though, they're just creepy. But see, we don't, we don't do that today. Today, you know, it's the lighting and the music and because and, what what we're doing we're, we're trying to create a sense of God even though he might not be there by these great arches by these great pillars like whoa this is like heaven this must be, must be in heaven see the, the Christians are very easily 
diverted into substitutes for the actual presence of God. That the presence of God linked to, that this is how I'm going to feel. And I, I, I'm going I'm to feel better, and uh, I'm going to be refreshed and encouraged, and all of that's valid. But the, the genuine presence of God, where your life is helped and changed in the crisis of life, that presence is linked again to the Word of God. See, when God wanted to dwell in the midst of His people, He's going to dwell in their midst and he's going to make them his people. He gave them instructions for a tabernacle. And they are minute. And you can read them through and all the things, the, 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 the uh, coverings and, and, and all that's involved in the furniture and all that. But it's all focused right in the very holy place. The holy of holies is the mercy seat where the presence of God was to dwell right it all focuses there the presence of god and the mercy seat but the mercy seat was the cover of the ark of the covenant the covenant the word of god is in the box the word of god needs to be in the box for the mercy seat to have the presence of god if we're going to have the authentic presence of God, not just an emotion that we can create with good music, you know, nice sounding music and nice, uh, you know, core, you know, singers that actually harmonize and stay on tune, musicians that can actually play it. You know, if, if presence of God is dependent on perfect song services, most of us are in big, big trouble. Every pioneer. But every single pioneer, whether you're looking out at your family or whether you're looking out at a, a bunch of people that God saved and working on, every pioneer has one of these. He has one of these that he can minister and cause the presence of God to touch lives and transform them, give them a revelation of Jesus Christ that helps them process the issues of life. See, we're talking this morning that God's project, what he's doing in the earth, is sustained and fulfilled and directed through his word. Directed and sustained and fulfilled through his word. 1 Timothy 1 has these words, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and from sincere faith. Now that word, uh, godly edification, is a, uh, is a very interesting word that has been variously translated because it's, a, it's an intensified form of the word management or stewardship. It's translated divine training or uh, God's ongoing purpose or God's plan, God's redemptive purpose, God's way of doing things, God's arrangements for people's redemption. 
It's not just to build, but to build builders. It's a building on steroids. It's not just so that folks get a little encouragement, but folks actually have something happen in their life that builds them and makes it possible for them to build up others. And that is going to happen as they are preaching right doctrine, as they're preaching the Word of God. But notice what diverts from that. It talks about myths disputes uh, it's pardon me verse 4 talks about command them not to spend their time on stories that aren't completely true there's myths and speculations and Titus talks about this too uh, myths fables and Jewish fables Titus 1:14 that they have some connection with the Bible but they're not completely true they uh, and this was rampant and this was undermining the legitimate building of builders for the kingdom of God I was reading a book and uh, this this guy translate it doesn't really translate Genesis chapter 1 but Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and he takes every Hebrew letter and it's a symbol and then he says what 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 Genesis chapter 1 said, said in the beginning God created the heavens of the earth it says uh, uh, the Sun who created all things on my head a crown of thorns that's what the symbols of those Hebrew letters say now that's ridiculous but that's he's writing books about this kind of thing and he's gonna preach that kind of, oh and people are, whoa man what kind of symbols are you know just just taking obscure stuff weird stuff and making that the most fascinating and exciting thing it's like pastor Rob Bell <laughs> some of you don't know who Rob Bell is this is this guy that has late night TV and, and late night radio I mean and he has this uh, radio show about everything bizarre weird and obscure and out there and people that need a life spend all night listening to it well sometimes we have pastors like Rob Bell <laughs> they just get fixated on the most bizarre and off the beaten track and we're you know and rather than just the regular stuff <laughs> just the regular Word of God We've got to find some obscure character or some bizarre thing and and some fascinating you know there's something about human nature we're fascinated by the obscure the hidden and the secret but the problem is what's what is that saying that just to preach the Bible like it has been preached historically for 2,000 years that's not good enough we want to find something nobody's ever seen before we want to find something that nobody else has ever gotten but but I got it or I read it on the internet anyways and uh, <laughs> it's like the gospel isn't compelling enough it's like the Word of God just its basic message of redemption is not compelling and challenging and encouraging and refreshing enough 
The gospel is the greatest message that has ever been heard. It is the greatest message you could ever proclaim. God's death for us lost, hopeless sinners. God himself willing to die for our redemption, be raised from the dead, exalted the right hand of the majesty on high, coming again. And one day create an entire new heavens and a new earth to up to the ends of the universe. Uh, this is who Jesus Christ is. This is our Lord and Savior. And we're going to get some obscure thing. Oh, what are the sons of God and the daughters? I mean, I, who those are? And you've done a sermon series for 20 weeks on it. It's like, okay, let's, let's get back to the gospel. And then there's speculations, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship. This is, can tra be translated novelties or theory or conjecture without evidence. Now, I, I have a whole bunch of uh, examples of this, but I, I don't want to, uh, you, you know, take the time. Uh, again, this isn't going to keep you out of heaven or anything, but it, like like Judas you know Judas did what he did because he wasn't asked to be one of the top three you know Peter James and John now I've heard that preached a few times over the year it's like the Bible doesn't say that now maybe you're mad at a disciple because he didn't get because he's mad he didn't get promoted so oh I know Judas was like that, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to fit. I got somebody to straighten out, and so let's use Judas. But see, it's speculation. You can't, that person, that, those people can't go home and look at that and, and reinforce that when they read it themselves. Like, where did Pastor find that? that Judas was mad because he didn't get to be one of the three. I mean, the only thing I see is that he wanted some money. You know, so, you know, there are things that you can speculate about. You know, so say you want to speculate. That's what Judas did. Maybe you want to use Judas. You could say, well, you know, all the disciples at one time were arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. So, you know, maybe Judas was involved in that conversation too. And he might have been extra ticked off. You, you know, and some people uh, did kill people in the Bible because, uh, like Joab, because they didn't, uh, somebody else took their place or took a place that threatened them. I mean, you can, you can say, but you have to say, so maybe, maybe this was... Pardon me, sorry. Maybe this was one of the motivations. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it, but if you, if you just speculate, Pastor, if you just speculate and you don't have a good grounding or you don't just have a speculation that you can kind of reinforce that there is some substance and just throw it out there, then it doesn't give people enough weight you know, if that guy really, that disciple really is ticked off that he didn't get promoted and somebody else did, 
And he's trying to wrestle with it. And so he's going, yeah, I got to deal with this. Now, let me look at what, where Pastor got that. And not only does he not find that, then that undermines your credibility. And he's not helped. And so, and, and where you see this a lot when we do sermon seminars, and, and guys will just say, well, I, this and that. And they'll, they'll throw these speculations out. And, I, and I'll say, and I try and be nice, so, so, so where, does it, where does it say that? And there's no answer. You know, it's, it's, it's not in there. And if it's not in there, or you can't make a case for it, then it undermines the impact that you can have if you want your preaching to move God's project forward. You're wanting to move the project of God, God's purposes in redemption, to move forward in and through your people. That's going to link them to the presence of God through his word. See, God has spoken in his word. These are men in crisis. These are men who have been disappointed by life, and they are walking away. And Jesus comes to them, and he speaks his word to them. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Now think about that. Jesus is right there in their midst. But what caused that burning of heart? The burning of heart came by his expounding, explaining, preaching the scriptures. That Jesus can be physically present, but it is the, it's the, the scriptures expounded, the scriptures preached that caused their hearts to burn. Now think for a moment on, on this. That's not just an emotion. The heart in the Bible is not our emotion. It is the seat of our acting self. Let me say that again. The, Bible, the, the heart is the seat of our acting self. What we do comes out of our hearts. What we ultimately do and what we ultimately become comes out of our hearts what you truly desire not what you say you desire not what you know you should desire but what you really do that's your heart and what this is saying is that the thing that turned their hearts was not Jesus even walking with them what turned their hearts was Jesus walking with them and expounding their scriptures that's when their hearts began to burn and that's when they returned they returned when the word of God was expounded to them, moved their hearts. And here are people who are walking away because of disappointment and broken hopes, deferred dreams. But now they turn back and they're headed for the will of God again because the word of God gave them perspective and a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
The word of God circumcised their hearts. What does that mean? A circumcised heart. Our heart, again, is what we really desire. A circumcision was a sign of covenant, right? The Jews' covenant relationship with God. We're covenant, or we could say we're duty and desire come together. When we desire to do our duty, not just, yes, I'll do it. Yep, I know, that's what I'm supposed to do. But a circumcised heart comes when we want to do what we're supposed to do. And we don't want to do what we shouldn't do. And that, that heart circumcision comes when the Word of God is proclaimed to us, where Jesus Christ is proclaimed to us in the Scriptures. I want to close with a thought on the Word and the anointing. You know, last night, as I was saying, there's transactions that took place, destiny transactions. There are pastors that made decisions about releasing workers and workers that made up their mind that they are going to do what God wants them to do. The, the glorious project of God's redemption was moved gloriously forward last night. Now, do you remember last night some obscure scripture that you never read before? Maybe some truth that, man, you had never heard that? I never heard that before. Risk for God. <gasps> See, anointing is not for the new and the hip. I did a sermon at the end of the year. You know, I usually preach on Bible reading and I, 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 near the end of the year, you know, so folks can start with their New Year's resolution. I'm going to read the Bible again, you know. I called it hipster replacement surgery. <laughs> Anointing is not linked to the hip and the new. The anointing is to be able to say the same things again and again with the impact that moves along the project of God in redemption. See, when we're not anointed, then we look for the bizarre, then we look for the obscure, then we look for Toronto, we, look to, we want to bark like dogs. Some obscure thing. Because, well, that same old, same old stuff isn't flying. If it's not flying, maybe you need to put some fuel in the engine. That anointing, if you will commit yourself afresh to the good old gospel, <laughs> the good old word of God, as you've heard it proclaimed from our pulpits for years, that saints have been proclaiming since Jesus' day. If you would just become again captivated by the gospel, pray for a love for this book. Oh, i got to work on a sermon. Okay, I've done that. Oh, another one? It's Wednesday night. I just finished it. You know, oh, Sunday's coming. I, I, right? We've all been there. But if that's how you always are, 
God wants to help you. He wants to help you. That face didn't mean hopeless. See, we want the dimension of God on what we do. But the dimension of God, the, his anointing is linked to his book, his word. Remember, this is a book about God. That's the main message of this book. It's about him. And when you preach him, when you get to know him through this book and preach him, he comes down. He shows up. He wants to be made known. If you're just preaching the thing that just ticked you off last service, he might wait till next service before he shows up. I'm not necessarily going to anoint pastor's rant against the disciple that ticked him off this week. <laughs> I'm not going to necessarily, you know, that pastor's hobby horse, you know, that every sermon's like listening to Rush Limbaugh instead of sorry sorry but but come on well it matters brother I, okay i know but we're not preaching politics we're preaching the word of god and you know there are some folks that you might not turn them into republicans but you could get them saved <laughs> <laughs> you know, bless, bless her heart, my mother, 87, I just was able to go back and visit her, you know, she used to come into the church in Salem with her Mondale Ferraro pin on, you know, <laughs> but she was loved and welcomed and accepted and she's saved to this day and, uh, you know, I don't know who she's going to vote for, we don't talk about it, but... Anyways, that's not in the sermon. Let, let, let me move on. <laughs> See, Jesus said, thus it is written, chapter 24, verses 46 and 49, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be with, endued with power from on high. What's the anointing for? It is to proclaim what is written. It's to proclaim the gospel. An anointing is for the testimony of the gospel. You know, we had a young man do a... a altar call it's, uh, recently he's a pretty new at it he, I, man he was passionate he was power and he was moved and and, uh, and 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 people did respond you know it was it was a good scene but i had to talk to the uh, young man afterwards and said you know what you left out <clears throat> the gospel <laughs> jesus is going to help you he's going to give you he's you know and you, but why why because jesus died for your sins and he rose from the dead because jesus christ is your savior and if you will turn to him in repentance and faith you've got to give them the gospel they come because they think somehow they're going to come and pray a prayer and that's going to give them that joy peace and all of that stuff that you promised them but you didn't tell them where it came from we got to preach the gospel that we need the, the power of God 
to preach the gospel. So on one hand, we got folks, you know, they're so theologically, you know, out there that, you know, they don't even believe in the Holy Ghost. Then we got other folks on the other side that all they want to do is feel, woo. Listen to a whole sermon, just a series of stories, and it's really the same sermon they preached last week, only with different stories. But see, right in between those is a commitment to preach the Word of God and contend for an anointing. See, prayer meetings before church service are not just, uh, that's, that's ritual. That's not ritual. That's not, that, that is absolutely vital and crucial. Well, we're going to call the power of the presence of God down in our worship service. You know what? That's, that's fine as far as it goes, but you better prayed before that service ever began. That God, we so desperately need you. But you understand the problems of people's lives, the complexities of people's lives. The, the problems that, that, and the, the, all that they are dealing with and, and, and har, their hearts are breaking and their hearts are moving away. They're walking away. And something you are going to say, it's got to be the thing that is going to cause their hearts to burn and turn. To burn and then to turn back to Jerusalem, back to where Jesus was going to give them these instructions. So we're men who perhaps have been disappointed and have had their hearts broken, can step up again and say, I'll go again. I'll give it another shot. I'll lay it all down. Why? Because I'm so confident in me? No, because I'm confident in the gospel. I've got a fresh confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a, a fresh hunger and need to know and, and understand how desperately I need the power of the Holy Ghost to be upon me. I'm going sh- to hit it again, but I'm going to preach God's word and I'm going to contend for an anointing upon my life that ha- causes hearts to burn and turn. I'm going to preach turn or burn. And hearts can burn and turn. I got to close, but the, you know, there are, again, these things that can just kind of change your whole view. And I I may have shared this before, but we were sitting in a leadership meeting. This was probably back in January 1997. And Pastor Mitchell was laying out before us a vision for the the big cities of the world, the mega cities of the world, and the millions and accumulated billions of people that inhabit these places. And at that time, there were uh, men who rose up in that meeting to uh, pour water on that vision, talked about uh, their own efforts and how they hadn't worked and how they were having revival in little podunk places of 500 people and uh, that's God's that's what God's doing and uh, it was a it was a heartbreaking thing to be sitting there watching this go on but the thing that had I've never forgotten is that Pastor Mitchell's response okay there have been struggles there have been difficulties in reaching some of these big cities but he says I know God and he doesn't want to leave the billions that inhabit the big cities to go to hell.
Now, that may not be an exact quote, but that, that was what he was... And it's like, how do you maintain? See, they experience disappointment. And so they're going to write off five billion people to go to hell. Right? Because they live in big cities. Because of their... But when a man of God sees God above the disappointments, sees the gospel above the disappointments, says, no, we're going to do this. We're going to do this because this is who God is. That changed my life. And that will change the lives of the people in your cities, in your churches, that may have been disappointed in walking away. Amen. Uh, that's all that I have. Thank you.